here to discuss all things NRL, AFL and anything sports related. Please give a warm Aussie g'day to the footy fanatic and America's own Corey Jackson in Outside the Sheds. Greetings and salutations and welcome to Outside the Sheds. Once again, I'm your host, like I have been this entire journey we've experienced together. I'm Corey Jackson, and I don't know about you, but I don't know, do you feel it in the air? Do you really feel it in the air? Because I think I feel a change. I think I feel to some parts of you and in different parts of the world that maybe spring is, 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 is right around the corner. Here, maybe winter's around the corner. But the one thing that's everywhere is that we're almost to finals time, everybody. And I, I, I would say that for the sports enthusiast, it may be the second thing to Christmas all year. And I don't know about you, I'm a big fan of Christmas. I think most of us are a fan of Christmas. It's gifts. It's spending time with family. Even if you like them or you don't, you still get to spend time with them. I'm sorry, it's going to be that way every year, everybody. But finals time is really, really special. I Over, over here in America, uh, it is the beginning of the NFL season. So there's a lot of excitement in the air uh, because it really has become the real pastime in American sport. But down under, where we are circling, it is finals time, folks. And it's right now, and it's coming, and it's coming quick. And you can feel it. You can feel it. Uh, The teams can feel it. This week, the match that I think that really personified that the most was the Sharks and Warriors tussle that I think that just had that feeling that you could feel tension on both sides the Warriors, ladies and gentlemen, let me put it to you this way. We've talked about them last week, uh, probably in more detail. The Warriors have just been nothing less than remarkable this year. I'm saying these guys have, have overstepped probably where they should have gone by grand leaps and bounds. What Todd Payton has done with those guys to get them competitive after they've lost key figures to go back to New Zealand, um, it has been remarkable. And I think that's why, like we talked about last week, Todd Payton nailed down the job for North Queensland. And congratulations again, Cowboys, because you've got a hell of a coach. But that match that we watched this weekend had it all. I'm saying you have Sean Johnson, who pretty much put the Warriors back on the map as a team that people wanted to see. I'm saying that he's a dynamic playmaker. Uh, his, his right step is something that is something to behold. I, I don't know how many ankles the man's broken, but you big game hunters out there, I don't understand you, but you big game out there hunters who put heads up on the wall for an animal that you didn't, that didn't know you were coming. But anyway, uh, tacklers know Sean Johnson's coming and they still can't lay a hand on him when that right foot step happens. But Sean got to take on his Warriors team again this weekend. And without Chad Townsend with him in the halves, he pretty much was a key playmaker. And the Warriors had a chance to give it back to Sean Johnson since the two parted ways a couple seasons ago. And, and Sean came over to Australia and, and the Warriors said they were going to go in a different direction. But with that backstory there and Sean's first match that he'd played um, since the birth of his daughter and, and uh, an ailing groin. Boy, we hate to hear that, don't we? Ailing groin. But anyway, it it had a lot of a lot of theatrics to it, a lot of buildup. And the game was so important that this was the first time that these two clubs have faced each other that there hasn't been the talk about Sean Johnson taking on his old Warriors club. Because, folks... The Sharks have really been kind of limping in towards the end of the season. They've been holding on that number eight spot. And thank the good Lord for the Tigers, uh, who for some reason their favorite number is nine. And Manly, who if you sneeze on them this season, somebody's going to get injured. So Manly never really has pushed them. But here come the Warriors, coming out of the country music capital of Australia to 
really come in an area where never one thought that they were knocking on the door. And if the Warriors could have won this weekend, they would have been two points outside the eight, two points outside the Sharks. And who knows what happens? The Sharks have a tough run home. And you have to admit, and you'd have to say, that the Warriors have the easiest road of the two teams. So this was the backstory to an incredible match that we saw. And and in the end, Sean Johnson's brilliance. Uh, he had two kicks um, for try setups. You know, he he just, he really came to the top. And the, and the Warriors had a couple of, I don't want to say uncharacteristic mistakes, but just some things that just you can't do if you're really going to come over the top. And... In the end, the Sharks win. But I will say of, of the matches that I watched and, and got to partake this weekend, that was the one that that kind of gave me that feeling. That feeling of, we're almost there. We're almost there. And the teams played that way. There was a little, you know, there's a little, I don't know, a little tension on the field. Um, guys held on to each other a little bit longer, stared into each other's eyes a little bit longer. Um, and that was something that that if you're a true sportsman to the game, you love to see. You love to see the niggle. You love to see the guys kind of getting after one another. So it was an incredible match to watch and had a lot of a lot of intrigue and drama. So that is kind of my startup for for this week's Outside the Sheds podcast is just that feeling that we've got that the finals are almost here. And we still, yes, I know, we've still got two weeks. But with that win with the Sharks this weekend, that knocked down our, our eight are done, folks. Our eight are done in the NRL. And and truthfully, in, in, in the AFL, we're pretty much right there as well. Um, St. Kilda and and the Western Bulldogs are, are, are there in the seventh and eighth positions at 36 points. So... You pretty much would probably say that those are the two teams that are going to get into those last two spots. And and you can feel it all the way across the board. You know, the AFL laying down that they're going to play the grand final at the GABA. So, welcome to Queensland, AFL. And I know you've been there a little bit. You know, I know you've been there. The Broncos have been, I mean, excuse me, the Bulldogs. I said the Bulldogs. The Lions have been there for a little while. Uh, the Suns have been trying to, how should I say, carve out their own their own path um, down at the Gold Coast. But you've got the entire footy world up in Queensland right now. And, and you know, this is one of the few shows you're going to see that talks about both codes. Because both codes don't really, I don't want to say care for one another, but there's not a great deal of love between the two codes. But... I think they're both great games, and I think that it's funny that that both games are being played extensively in, I would say, the sports capital, quote-unquote, of Australia. I, I think that you're not going to find a more rabid fan base than you will Queenslanders. Now, I'm not trying to start a fight because Origin hasn't started, folks, so please don't come throwing things at me. I'm just saying there's a different type of passion up in Queensland um, for their sports, and... You know, I, I know everyone down in, in, in Sydney is going to say, because they don't have anything else to do. And that might be true, even though Brisbane's a great city. Gold Coast is a fun city. But that these two sports have been able to go up to Queensland and the way that Queensland's treated them to allow the sports to continue to play has, has been really been remarkable. So that is something that's really really exciting that I, I i i i'm really excited to see how this plays out in the end with with the final series pretty much taking place up there in queensland for the afl and and then you're going to see the nrl playing um some matches up there as well now i did mention something earlier um and maybe we should just transition to some 4020s right now again i know you guys are just such rabid followers of Outside the Sheds, and you have listened to every word that I've said. No matter if my punctuation's been off, my grammar might have been off, or I might throw in an occasional, um. But what I will tell you is, origin is also coming. And if 
you don't know what origin is, it's called state of origin. So please say it correctly. And that is New South Wales against the great Queensland that I was just talking about a few moments ago. This is Hatfields and McCoys to the Americans. This is Manchester United against Manchester City. This is your current wife against your ex-wife, folks. This is what we're talking about. This is non-love. And I can't really stress it any more than maybe you saying to your mother that your mother-in-law's cooking is better than her. I'm saying it starts wars and fights. At the dinner table, it's brother against brother. Sometimes we're talking state of origin. It's the blues against the maroons. And we've got dates, folks. And I know if, if, if you talk to a lot of players that have played normal footy or just regular NRL or rugby league, and you talk to guys that have been selected to, be, to play for the Maroons or the Blues, they'll tell you that they've never played a faster game of football in their life. The tension is through the roof. The hits are seismic. I'm just, I I can't really stress to you enough if you haven't seen Origin how the hits have been ramped up. And you you see players that have played, because usually Origin takes place about the midway point of the NRL season. And these are guys who now have been playing halfway through the season, right? And and you'll still see players in the first 20 minutes of game one with their hands on their knees because of the because of the frantic pace and the hits that are, that are that are given out in, in in origin. So what we've got now is we've just had released the three dates for origin. And I hey, hey let's go over it again everybody. Welcome to 2020. Yes, we're talking about state of origin starting in November. So now you're going to have to mix over here in the States, learning the game with actually choking on a drumstick. Because yes, it's right around Thanksgiving. And if you don't eat the drumstick, I'm sorry for you. I can't help you out. It's, it's my favorite thing. But we've mixed it up in State of Origin this year a little bit. Where it's not starting up at Suncorp. It's not starting at Anzac Stadium. No, we're going to South Australia, ladies and gentlemen. We are starting... Game one of State of Origin, November 2nd, at Adelaide Oval. And no, the power will not be taking the field that day. The Crows either. It is Maroons and Blues. Now, there's been some real outcry about this. A lot of, especially in Queensland, there's been a lot of people asking, why the heck are we going to South Australia? Why are we going to Adelaide? Because usually... State of Origin has been, until the last few years, two games in either Sydney or, or two games in, in Queensland, in Brisbane, and one game at the other place. But this year, we're starting it off in, in South Australia, in Adelaide. And Peter Volandis and I think the NRL thought and with, when with they allegedly the rumor is that five million dollars came from South Australia and was given to the NRL to have State of Origin come there, and and a lot of times you would think, oh wow, they're trying to grow the game down there. But what they were really hoping for is a lot of people were coming were going to come to South Australia from Queensland and from from Sydney, New South Wales, to put money into. Adelaide's economy. And I don't think they were really expecting a lot of South Australians or or people from Adelaide coming there. And I think they're they're really sadly mistaken about that because Adelaide's shown some some really good support when they've had matches down there. But a lot of people are wondering, was this gamble maybe the time for it because of COVID? meaning that a lot of people aren't able to travel. And so what we're looking at now is that Adelaide is still holding on to game one, and we might not have that 
influx of money, and I know, my gosh, are we talking sports and money in the same sentence? I, I know I don't believe it either, but we just did. But maybe it might not have been the year for it. If really Adelaide was trying to bring story, State of Origin in for that reason, I guess we'll have to wait to see. I'm saying there's even talk that both grand finals are looking at at maybe being able to up the already thought about low crowds, maybe 20% crowds, up to maybe doubling that for the grand finals. And like I said, I think none of us know what the heck's going to happen tomorrow, let alone two months from now with flu season and outbreaks and all this type of stuff that we really can't, well, time. We can't control it. We choose not to in some ways. Some of us anyway. So I think that's that's up to discussion of how many people are going to really be there. Game two is on 11-11 and is going to be in Anzac Stadium. So... Everyone will always tell you game one's maybe the most important game of, of State of Origin because one team gets up, one nothing. But game two will take place in the Anzac Stadium, and, and, and a lot of people are still feeling that the Blues are the favorites to go for a three-peat. Um, I don't know about that. I, I don't think we can say that just for the standpoint. We don't know who's going to finish the season healthy for both sides. And who's going to actually get called up? Does Cameron Smith say he's going to retire and say that he wants to do a song and go up and play hooker for for Queensland? We don't know. I I know Queensland would sure love to have uh, the going to be new immortal. Not yet, but it's coming, folks. It's coming. But if Cam decides to come back and finish his career putting on his most beloved jersey, I know a lot of people will say his Australian jersey is his most playing for for the Kangaroos, but... Uh, I know that, that that maroon jersey means the world to that man. And who knows? Maybe he does put it on for a last time. And then 11-18 is Game 3 of Origin in Suncorp Stadium. And that, who knows? A lot of people are already kind of, kind of how should I say, poking Queensland a little bit, saying, wow, it's going to really stink for you guys for us to actually lift that trophy on your soil. Because a lot of people, like I said, think that that the Blues will be up two games to none going into that, and that game will just be a rubber match and won't really mean anything. For some reason, I think if, if you've watched State of Origin, we know that's probably not going to be the case whatsoever. This is probably going up to Suncorp 1-1, uh, and who knows what happens at that point. Last year, it looked like the Maroons had no chance and they got it to game three, and if it wasn't for a brilliant try in the end, who knows what happens. But that's that's here or there. That was last year, and we're talking this year. So state of origin has been set, so that's really, really exciting. Another breaking news that has just kind of hit the forefront over the last couple of days, and speaking of state of origin, the man who set up the try for the Blues to win last year's state of origin is James Tedesco, and I don't know if you're closer to him than I am. You may, and if you do, you call him Teddy. But James James Tedesco signed a five-year deal, and they're calling it he's going to be a rooster for a lifetime. They say it's a lifetime deal because when this contract finishes, Teddy will be 32 years of age. And I know players, if you look at Cam Smith, Cam's 37 years old and he's still going and maybe probably the best hooker in the game still. But to play the position of fullback at the age of 32 may not be where Teddy's at. Who knows? Like I said, five years from now, who knows what the athlete is going to be like. But Tedesco trains hard and he's probably, I would say, in contention for still being the best player in the league besides maybe Nathan Cleary at uh at Penrith, but James Tedesco signed a five-year deal worth $6 million. A lot of people have been asking the question, is that a, who's that a steal for? And I think the predominant feeling is the Roosters got a steal there um, for Teddy to sign that contract now because, folks, we could be four weeks away, five weeks away from Teddy leading the Roosters to a three-peat. And if you're going to tell me that, that James Tedesco is only worth $6 million for the next five years after he's led the Roosters to a three-peat, 
I don't know. I think you talked to a lot of agents saying that he could have maybe asked for up to $8 million for that deal. And we know our, the boys of Bondi probably have the money for that. But I really do feel that 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 Teddy signed that deal and gave a great price to the to the Chooks because of Robbo, Trent Robinson, their coach, the culture of 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 the Sydney Roosters, and where he sees that team coming. I, let's look at the the halves: Luke Keery, um, Flanagan, Little Flanagan. These guys are young, and there's a lot of young talent that are still coming through that side. Yes, they've got. Some guys are coming, you know, Mitch Abison and some of those guys are getting close to the end of their careers. And congratulations to him with over 300 games and him coming back this week is going to be really, really cool. But there's a lot of youth. Not as young as Penrith, but you still have Robbo. And Trent Robison, more proof of it is him bringing Sonny Bill Williams back. And let's not even talk about SBW. We'll talk about him a little bit later. But... It's just the magic that man has, and to me, he's the best coach in the in in the NRL. I know a lot of people are gonna are gonna mention, um, they're gonna mention Sticky down in at Canberra, Ricky Stewart. They're gonna mention um, Bellyache, Craig Bellamy in Melbourne, and some people will say Wayne Bennett, even though I think Wayne Bennett is is more of a caretaker now. But Trent Robinson is to me one of those coaches when you watch him coach that you you know looking at him and the way his players respect him that they don't just talk to the man about the game they talk to him about life and the thing that always makes me look at him and, and, and give great respect is the way that he looks after his players that are injured he never rushes anybody back out there when he thinks it could be a detriment to their health and their future health and and how the landscape of sports has happened right now, and I'm not going to go into some of my feelings of, of, of where sport is and how I truthfully don't think that sometimes it has the, the, the athlete's best interest at heart. But, but I will tell you, Robinson, Coach Robbo is just one of those guys that, to me, gets it. And I, I respect the man greatly just for the way that he does a lot of things and the way he, he, he caretakes that team. I started this podcast today by talking about finals, but the other thing I was going to lead with is, I don't know if you feel the, the chill in the air where you're at. I don't know if you've maybe, maybe you've got those goosebumps on your arms or, or maybe the hair standing on the back of your neck. Well, I'm going to let you know it's not snowfall coming. It's not an Arctic freeze. No, it is that the Gold Coast Titans, for the first time in their history, have beat the Brisbane Broncos and continued their hellacious, forgettable season. Justin Holbrook has put the Gold Coast Titans into the, I would say, into... The category of possibly being one of the teams to look for next year about doing some pretty incredible things. And I and if you watch Justin Holbrook, the coach of the Gold Coast Titans at the beginning of the season, when they maybe weren't playing their best football, he did a lot of rubbing of his forehead. And and and, and Coach Holbrook has a way of letting his cheeks redden up, and it's not rouge, folks. It's just a little bit of blood coming to the head with with maybe him being a little frustrated. But I, I, but him leaving St. Helens to take on a rebuilding process in the NRL with Gold Coast really, to me, showed you, one, the confidence the man has in himself as being a great coach. But a lot of people, even in Australia, wouldn't want to touch that Gold Coast Titans job. They, it just really, it just isn't a, a team that is, has has done much recently. You know, they've got Mal Meninga there. They got Gordy now there trying to change the, the, the culture of the club. And you know, anytime Mal dips his, his his finger and his hands into the bucket, you know that they, that he's going to do what he has to do to try to get change coming. But Justin Holbrook really 
really took a chance coming over to to Gold Coast. And it really has shown over the last five to six weeks that Gold Coast is a team on the rise, and they're coming, folks. First off, they signed David Fafita over him re-signing with the Brisbane Broncos. And I think that was the seismic change. I think that was the beginning of people saying, hmm. Because I've mentioned this before. The Brisbane Broncos are like the New York Yankees. They are like the Dallas Cowboys, the Los Angeles Dodgers, the LA Lakers. They are that perennial team that people go, that team just is supposed to succeed. They just are that 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 club. And yes, they have not played that way this year. The Seabold um, anointment hiring at head coach backfired. The way they pushed Wayne Bennett out of town, um, who has done some really good coaching and I think reinvigorated him down at South Sydney. But, but I'm going to say that the, the team going forward, to me to watch in Queensland, is the Gold Coast Titans. And the way they put it to Brisbane this weekend... And, 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 and having, I would say, the try of the weekend and beating them 18-6, to resoundingly thumping Brisbane, I think is the beginning of a pretty darn good time where you're going to start seeing possibly players, instead of just taking that Brisbane Bronco money and saying, you know, I'm, I'm with a, a, a for sure winner, going, hey man, I like to catch a few waves on the Gold Coast myself a little bit. And I get to play footy too. So I I would not be surprised. Ash Taylor has lifted his game up again and he's playing well. Jermaine Fogarty, I'm saying this guy that no one really knew anything about the man at the beginning of the season. And he is now the heartbeat of that club. So... Get ready, Gold Coast. If you're a true fan of the Gold Coast Titans and you've been there through some doldrums and some tough times where you really thought, my gosh, this jersey is just feeling heavy right now, get ready. Uh, Because I think that you're about ready to come into some real prime time for you guys. And that's good to see because I, I I think a good league, no matter what sports you watch, is a competitive league where you can support your team and know that they're going to leave 100% on the field week in and week out, and that they're going to play tough, and you might win. And there's nothing worse than a team going through their entire season. And unfortunately, and and like I said earlier, that has been the Brisbane Broncos, where they're like, there's no way on God's green earth we're winning this weekend. And again, the Broncos are probably in trouble this weekend, too. They're playing... A, 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 a Parameda Eels side that is probably going to take out some frustration on them. Going back to some more great 4020s, folks, let's, let's, just, let's just change the dynamic a little bit. I'm going to go back to what I was talking about a little bit earlier, and that is the Roosters and Panthers heading into that that feeling I was talking about, you know, the finals. Because these two teams are, I think, ahead of everybody. I know, I, I, sh- I know I'm saying that, and a lot of fans down in Melbourne are going to say, you know, but the Storm are right there, and, and you're right. With Bellyache and, and, and the two Cams, Cameron Smith and Cameron Munster, you can't bet against them. Josh Adokar going to play his last season there down in, down in Melbourne. So they're going to be there. But week in and week out, to me, the two best clubs this season, hands down, have been Penrith and Sydney. Penrith is just that team that when you watch them, you can see instantly that they love what they're doing. They love to play the game. They love just spending time with each other. I don't know if you guys got a chance to to watch the interview that Fletch and Heine did on the Matty Johns show um, this week, but 
he just interviewed a bunch of the guys and 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 it was it was really cool to see that type of chemistry with guys together and i think you don't see many clubs that succeed that don't have a real love for one another and that's why i've always said you don't see a lot of clubs and you just throw millions and millions of dollars in, in, in different guys' pockets and say, let's just bring together a bunch of mercenaries and win a championship. It doesn't happen. And if it does, it's a fluke. It's not happening twice. And that's why I think I mentioned earlier that that Penrith is going to be there for some years to come because they're a young team and they're going to continue to continue to fall in love with each other. And I think this finals experience is going to galvanize them even more. But they, this weekend, had a real test. The only team that's beaten them all season, and let me, let's me let say that again, Penrith has lost once all season. And they got a chance this weekend to go back up against the Parramatta Eels, and Para is the only team that beat them. And, the, and the, the, the crazy thing about that is when that happened, Para was kind of playing that type of football that Penrith is playing right there. Mitchell Moses... Dylan Brown, there was a there was a swagger about that team. And they took it to Penrith. It was a it was a tough, it was a tough, tough match. But Para was playing with with a little flamboyance and 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 just just some spunk and excitement for the game. And I can't tell you the, watching the difference in this this second meeting. Because the boys at the base of the Blue Mountains, they took it to took it to Parramatta this week, and the Panthers beat them twenty to two, and they could have beat them worse than that. Uh, Para did show a lot of spunk and grit in defense, and King and and, and the King was back there making some incredible tackles too um, from the fullback position for Para, but. They really were never going to trouble the Panthers. The, the, the way that Para's offense has, has just gone stagnant, they could be the highest seeded team going into the finals that instantly you're saying there's no way in hell this team is going to do anything. And they've got two weeks to try to fix it and to right the ship. And I and even though I really like Jai Fields, who has stepped in for Dylan Brown, in the halves with Mitchell Moses, there's just a chemistry between Moses and Dylan Brown that if Brownie doesn't come back before the final, I just I just don't see I don't see the Eels doing anything. And that's really sad because a lot of para fans really thought after the halfway part of this season that this was their year. And the wheels have just kind of fallen off. And I don't really know if they've got the time. Well, <laughs> hold on now. I guess they are playing the Brisbane Broncos. They might be able to put 50 up this week, and we won't be talking about this next week. But if they don't do that, and if they struggle with Brisbane, and, and if I was the Broncos, I might be saying, well, wait a second here. Maybe we can ride our ship and get this going the other direction. But, you know... We'll have to see. We'll have to see. The other team that I was just talking about there, the Sydney Roosters, the Chookies took it to Mitchell Pearson the Knights, 42 to 12. And it wasn't even that close. They really during during the match, some of the some of the guys were even saying at one point, they thought that the Chooks were going to put 60 up. And I'm, and I'm sorry, look, I'm talking in, 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 in code again. The Chooks are the Sydney Roosters, if you don't know. To some of my new American listeners, uh, the Sydney Roosters are called the Chookies, which is chicken. Um, so the Chooks really look like they're coming into their own. And I, you know, I know last week we started the podcast by talking about SB. W, Sonny Bill Williams. Well, NRL League, teams in the NRL, 
You better wake up because Sonny Bill Williams has. And after his 14 minutes last week of looking like he needed oxygen once he stepped off the field, he was getting those offloads down. And he's running at the line. And guess what? Next week, Sonny's going to be even better. And the week after that, he's going to be even better. And that is the exact reason Robbo brought him in. So to say that the Roosters are going to keep getting healthier and healthier and healthier, and and I, I just think, to me, and like I said, two weeks can make a difference in, in, in rugby league with injuries, but to me, they're still my pick to, 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 to win the, the premiership this year. I still think that the when it comes when it comes down to it, they've been there before. Penrith has not, and I think that experience usually wins out in the end. But one thing that came out of that match this weekend between the the Roosters and the Knights was their captain Boyd Corner going down again with another head knock. And this is let's get serious for a second here, folks. The one thing that's really come to light in sports, I would say over the last five years, is head injuries. And nobody ever likes to talk about Alzheimer's or brain damage, brain injury. But it is real. It's real. And it has been proven that head trauma can lead to having problems in your future with memory and a lot of other things. And we're talking about two games, Aussie Rules Football, NRL Football, where 98.7% of the players do not wear headgear. So this isn't going to go away. And... It was sad because I think a lot of you might have might know this, but Boyd Cordner's first cousin died um, during the week from a football-related injury during a match. And seeing Boyd take the field with that heavy heart of losing his first cousin was very emotional. But within 20 minutes, he's off the field again for another head-related issue. And it scares you. I'm saying Luke Carey has also had problems for the Roosters. And both of these two guys are probably the two biggest heartbeats of the Roosters, I would say. And it, you just have to wonder. I, I know it's already come down that that Robbo's going to going to sit Boyd Cordner again, but but let's remember Boyd Corner just came back after being rested for head trauma for for a for an HI. Um so I'm hoping for the best. I'm hoping Boyd Corner the Roosters win this week and the Boyd Corner can again rest one more week before the finals go. Because you just don't want to see a guy have that type of head trauma the amount of times he's had because one of the things you'll learn and one of the things they're starting to talk about from soccer is that you're a lot more susceptible to a head injury after having one previously and you have to ask yourself that question you you really have to ask yourself that question how many are too many but I'm not a doctor. I think I know a few people that I really like that are doctors. But you just have to ask yourself that question. So prayers for Boyd Corner, And hopefully he, well, for his family, first off, for the loss of his first cousin. But also that he can heal up and be as close to 100% as possible going into the finals round. Because no one wants to see a guy with the you know, the captain of the Kangaroos, the national team, uh, the captain for the Blues, and the captain for the Roosters to not be able to end his career the way that he wants to end his career. And hopefully he's a long ways from ending his career. Now again, I'm gonna, I'm, did you see that? I just put the blinker on. We're, we just changed lanes. 
the next part of my 40-20 I want to talk about is the key match of the weekend for me in the AFL. And that is the power of Port Adelaide, who are sitting tied at top of the standings with the Brisby Lions against the Collingwood Magpies, who are sitting in sixth. Two points ahead of St. Kilda and the, the Western Bulldogs. This is a huge match, folks. And not so in the standpoint of where, you know, what culminates with a victory for other either side. But the big thing is we pretty much know where the eight are going to stand, right? But if let's say let's say that Port Adelaide loses and Brisbane wins, and Port Adelaide drops to second. Well, that loss now makes Port Adelaide, if Port Adelaide does not finish on top, puts Port Adelaide to play the Richmond Tigers in their first playoff match. And I really think that Port Adelaide does not want to have to see Richmond unless it's the final even though they did beat them earlier in the season. But everybody knows the yellow and black are a different team when it comes towards the end of the season. And again, they're ramping up, heading that way right now. They've got experience. A lot of the young guns for Port do not have that type of playoff experience. And you just have to ask yourself, do they really want to play a Richmond club that if they could get over the top, of Port Adelaide really feel like they're really close to going for their three out of four years premierships. So Port Adelaide really wants to win this match. They really want to stay on top. Now let's switch to Collingwood. The Pies, the Pies are also in that same position where they're sitting in sixth. And they really are going to face a tough test. You know, Collingwood has not had the season that they were expecting. They've had some off-the-field drama. They don't know if they're going to be signing Jordan Aguilar for an extended period of time, even though he said that he wants to stay with the club. But you've got a hungry Western Bulldogs club who, don't forget, won the premiership outside of the top four, the only club to do it. And you've got a St. Kilda club that earlier in the season, a few weeks ago, beat Port Adelaide. And if you're not playing your best football, these are two of the clubs you don't want to see. You're sitting two spots ahead of them. I mean, excuse me, two points ahead of them. And these teams underneath you are hungry. And they wouldn't love more than to beat you to stay in the finals. So this is a huge match coming this weekend. And I'm really curious to see the football that's played. Because I think Collingwood can really lift their game to cause people problems, but they're going to have to play their best. They're going to have to be their best Collingwood. Because if Port plays power football like they've done most of the season... There's not a better measuring stick than going toe-to-toe with the team that's been on top most of the season. So this is going to be a really exciting match. Uh, It's actually on Monday. It's the last match of the round. And I'm really excited to watch it. I'm really, really excited to watch it. And, 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 And to all my Geelong fans out there, I'm not cutting you down. I'm not talking bad about you because you've got an incredible club. I... I... No one talks bad about Geelong, especially on my watch, Shedheads, especially on my watch. But Geelong is going to be Geelong, and the hoops are going to be right there. And I know you're saying, well, hey, Port Adelaide, you still got to get through us, even if you stay on, on top, if we stay in fourth and don't move up to third. I know. And that's going to be a tough match. That's going to be a tough match. But it's the young legs of Port against a little bit older legs in Geelong. And I still think Port has got the goods to get over the top there. But you're still the hoops. You're still Geelong. And 
there's always a little bit of cat magic in the playoffs. So, again, I just want to say, Cats Nation, Geelong, not talking bad about you. Still a big fan. Still think you guys are going to do some impressive things. Now, coming back towards the end of our 4020s, one of the things that just broke down under is, I think, a huge signing. And I know I, I, I took the old the old West Tigers behind the woodshed last week and gave a spray, as we would say, to them about what they're doing with their, with their culture and their history. And congratulations to Luke Brooks, who took a little bit of, took a little bit of it from me last week, saying that he didn't play with, with heart enough. And I, I really questioned about him being the future of leading the Tigers forward. Uh, I don't know if Luke listened or if he subscribed to Outside the Sheds, but he sure showed a different, a different level of fight in him this week by literally putting his right on Dane Gagai's chin. Yes, I just said it. We had a biff, folks. We had a straight-up biff that happened uh, between the Tigers and the Bunnies this weekend where little Luke Brooks ran in and, and came over the top and caught Dane Gagai on the chin. But now, Dane Guy Guy had a lot to do with that, and he threw the ball off of Luke Brooks' substantially large head. But that Luke Brooks sprinted after him to say that's not happening here showed a lot. And I think Madge felt the same way with Luke's reaction and was, was pleased to see that. Was pleased to see, okay, all right. Now, I don't know how, what that's going to mean going forward. You know, the Tigers have a tough match this weekend going up against the Melbourne Storm. And I know there's big talk that Cameron Smith is going up against maybe his heir apparent in, in Harry Grant, the uh, hooker for, for the Tigers, who's probably going back to Melbourne. I don't know anybody knows anything right now of the future of anybody. But, but Luke showing that, that put a smile on a lot of people's faces that, that follow the, 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 the orange and black. And we'll see what that that translates to the next two games of the season, the last two games, because as we know, the Tigers are in ninth and will not be seeing the playoffs again. Let me say that again. The Tigers are in ninth and will not be seeing the playoffs again. But the reason I brought the Tigers up is because the news that I told you about, about breaking news, is that James Taumo, who's playing maybe his best football since 2014. That's six years ago, people. You're not supposed to be getting better as a big front rower like that. James Tomo has just signed a deal to leave the Panthers and to head to the West Tigers. James Tomo won the premiership in 2015 with the Cowboys, with North Queensland. A lot of people were shocked to see him move to Penrith. But a lot of people think that James Taumo is a little bit, he's not the biggest talking guy, but he is the captain for the club for a reason. And he's off contract and, and you know, he's, he's, he's closer to the end of his career than he is the beginning of his career. But I think this is a major league coup for the West Tigers. And the big talk was that James Tomo was looking at going toward to Cronulla. And I thought that probably was going to be a done deal, personally. But to see that break today, that that he went to the to the Tigers, really shocked me. But you know, who knows what that means? I'm saying there's also rumblings that the Tigers are going to sign Josh Josh Adokar here in the next week or two. But those are two big signings for the West Tigers. And I and I know there's a lot to be fixed in the halves. Again, a lot of money that is being used for players that really haven't seen the field. And some of them have popped up in car parks at halftimes at, at games. But we won't talk about that now. But what does that really mean going forward with the Tigers? Because I thought that the, the Tigers were going to have a problem signing players with a little bit of the unrest that's been there. So James Tomo coming there shows that he saw something, besides dollar dollar bills, y'all, he saw something that made him think that the Tigers might be heading in the right direction under Madge. I'm still questioning, but, you know, who knows? 
Maybe I'm wrong. And I would love to say that I'm wrong there. I would love to say that I'm wrong. Well, let's talk about some top guns right now for this week. And I'm going to start off leading with my top guns with Luke Carey. I don't know if there's a, besides Adam Adam Reynolds at South Sydney, there might not be a smaller player in the league than Luke Carey, but there's not a bigger player in heart. And that guy is the, mo, how, do, how do I say, the locomotive engine of, of the Chooks. He had two tries, 150 kick meters, four tackle breaks, and 146 running meters. And him breaking out and running down the left edge just gassed the Knights. They just couldn't keep up with him. And this is a guy that just came back two weeks ago after having his ribs put in different places. And he's still running like that. And he's like I said, he's not a big guy. Luke Carey's not. But to see him play his his footy like this right now was just was just a pleasure to watch. And you can see that the 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 the, the Chucky's really fired off that as well. My second my second gun was Ronaldo Mulatalo. And I don't know if you guys have watched Ronaldo down at in Cronulla, but this guy is straight up energy. He is straight up energy. Matter of fact, David Lindsay, the voice of Outside the Sheds, may be in a rivalry with the with the energy coming out of her. Okay, I still give it to Lindsay. He's he's a madman. But but Ronaldo Mulatalo is a passion player. He's a guy that will jaw at you a little bit. And then he's got six gears. Most of you have two when it comes to speed. Ronaldo's got six. And when that guy gets the ball and flies, he's a joy to watch. But Ronaldo had two tries as well, like Luke Carey. Six tackle breaks and 106 running meters. And with the Sharkies down with about six and a half minutes to go to the Warriors, Ronaldo played his best football. And that's when that's to me what you want to watch in any sport is the guys that step their game up when their team needs them most. And Ronaldo just came alive. Like he knew what it meant. That that let's not mess around here. Let's get over the top. Let's win this. Let's let's seal our position in the top eight. And his his try celebration, which Ronaldo loves to celebrate a try, of him pointing up to his friend in the crowd who's been fighting cancer, who was his first time back to see him play live, and the kissing of his jersey on on the club emblem just had the crowd fired up and just put a smile on your face, especially when you know the situation, how close he is to his friend that is in the crowd who's been fighting cancer. So that was really a breath of fresh air seeing that. And I, I got to tell you, you just love to see the guys with talent step it up and not and, and to be passionate about what they do. And folks, I'm, I'm going to close out the Top Guns with my new favorite named, nicknamed player in the NRL. And I saw this guy it, in the NRL 9s um, last year. Are you ready for this? The best nicknamed player is the Flying Plumber. Yes, you heard that right. Cody Ramsey, when he's not playing footy for St. George, is a plumber, plumber's apprentice. And that is parlayed in him to being called the Flying Plumber. Yes, you've heard me right, the flying plumber. And Cody Ramsey got his first start this week in first grade and had two tries for St. George, who pretty much, folks, let's be, let's be honest, besides those two moments, it was a forgettable match for St. George, and they've got a lot of problems down there. But to see his entire family in the crowd to see the emotion that kid, but I would have I would have started playing him five games ago, St. George, because you really didn't have anything else to play for. And this guy was electric at the NRL nines. He might have been he might have been the breakout player of the entire tournament. And for whatever reason, he's making his start with two rounds to go left in the season. 
I think St. George, I think St. George Laurel has the possibility of having one of the most exciting young players in the league to come. And if he's not scoring tries, he can fix your toilets. So I, I'm going to say, I don't, I don't know how you can lose having a player like that around you. So my number three gun is Cody Ramsey. Congratulations, Cody. Welcome to first grade. And you should have been here weeks earlier. That's my guns. But because of COVID and, and the bubble that we're all living in right now, we could talk footy all day. We could talk AFL and NRL. But let's go outside the bubble. And I've got to go with something that I, I have never seen because no one has ever seen it. My number one outside the bubble moment for this last week is watching the Cardiac Kids. And the reason I call them the Cardiac Kids is because they should have been dead last round. But the Denver Nuggets, coming back again from down three games to one, is the first time in NBA history that a club has ever done this. But not just to do it to just any club. And I'm sorry, Utah Jazz. I, I don't mean to cut on you. Is there really good jazz in Utah, though? I, I, I'm going to just ask you that. I, 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 I Anyway, um... Maybe the Utah skis jumps? I don't know. But but that Utah lost to Denver when I would have I, I thought Denver was dead in the water. But to come back and win that series, but but then the way the Clippers took them behind the woodshed and just laid them out to get up three games to one. The great Charles Barkley has a term. Let me see if I can do the little tap. I guarantee. Woo! Guarantee. The Clippers are going to win this series. Chuck, please don't invest any of my money for me um, because I, I do like my money and I would like to see it again. But that guarantee is like the kiss of death. And the kiss of death came back again for Sir Charles because last night the Denver Nuggets did the unthinkable. They were behind in game game five by 13 points in the second half and down 19 in the second half in game six. And both came back to win. They came back once again down in the second half to beat the Clip Show, the Clippers, the team that with Kawhi Leonard being there, the team that everyone said was the only team that could stop LeBron James, and a lot of people's pick to win the NBA championship. Now, I know I know a lot of people in the media, a lot of people in advertising, really did not want that to happen because, my gosh, is Kawhi Leonard just one of the most incredible people to listen to? My gosh. Speaking of flatlining, but... The Denver Nuggets did it again last night. And they didn't just win by a late shot. They came back from down double digits to win by 20 points over the Los Angeles Clippers. Not dead, don't quit, right? Well, they didn't quit. And for something to happen, when you see history like that being made, that is... That is something you just shake your head about. I'm not even a Denver Nuggets fan. I just love to watch competition. But watching those guys come together, like we were talking about earlier, about the Chooks and about, about the Panthers, about loving one another on a bench. Yes, the Lakers are the favorite in the finals, in the in the Western Conference final. But after the after the game, Murray was standing up there. And the, and the reporter asked him, you know, do you have the legs? You know, this Lakers team is... And he's like, we're not thinking about the Lakers right now. We're thinking about ourselves. And the Lakers better be thinking about us, too. And that confidence... I, I, I don't know, folks. I really don't know, Shedheads. If, if the Lakers were hoping to see the Nuggets, and I think that they might be going, huh, we're going to have to face the Nuggets. Because the Nuggets are coming to play. And, they, and they're playing with house money. No one expects them to beat the Lakers. Just like no one expected them to beat the Clippers. Just like no one expected them to come back from three games to one down against the Utah Jazz. 
you better watch out because I I, I think the Nuggets are going to push the Lakers. I, I, I picked a Lakers-Miami Heat final. But the Nuggets are that wild card that you just don't know. The only difference is there's a guy on that other team called LeBron James they got to meet. So we'll see. We'll see. But congratulations to the to the Denver Nuggets uh, for, for doing history that I guarantee Sir Charles and myself did not think was possible. I'm going to finish my outside the bubble and start bringing this to a closure by bringing up a team that I, I really didn't expect. But the San Diego Padres, Los Padres, in Major League Baseball, have done something that I don't think I really expected, especially from the Padres. The Padres have been not very good recently. But the Padres have now become the team to watch in Major League Baseball. And I know all of you old bittermen who like the code, who think that you do things a certain way. How dare they? What are they doing celebrating? You better remember something. For a sport to continue to go forward, you better bring youth into it. You better have kids growing up hoping to be that player. You better have you better hope that you've got kids that are saying, "Dad, can we go to the game?" And dad's like, "Sure, son, let's go to see the New York Yankees." He's like, "No, I want to go see the, the 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 Major League Lacrosse game." So be careful Major League Baseball. The game has started to be seen as slow in an old person's game. And for you to continue to go forward, especially a game that people that tries to stand up on a pedestal and say we're the national pastime, which truthfully we all know in, in America is the NFL. But do not ostracize and not have the youth pay attention to you is a death sentence. And it may not happen in 10 years, it may not happen in 15 years, but in 20 years, when kids don't think about picking up a ball and a bat, you're in trouble. Because we all know the money in sport now is in TV contracts. I'm saying the NRL was fighting, the AFL was fighting to get the season going this year because they needed that TV lucrative money. So that is important. You've got to have people that want to show your product, right? You've got to have excitement. You've got to be able to reach a fan base. And ladies and gentlemen, lo and behold, that team has shown their head. And that is Los Padres in San Diego. Let alone they've brought back the brown unis, some pinstripes, the f- the, the, the faithful friar is back fighting. But the excitement with Tatis, with Machado, this team are not going to do it like your father and his father. They're going to do it with a swagger. They're going to do it with an in-your-face attitude. They feel like, I don't care if you're the Dodgers. I don't care if you're the Yankees. Why does that matter to us? We're the Padres. They have a flippancy of, we're good, and we're going to show you. They probably were the most aggressive team in the trade deadline to shore up their their push. And now, even though they lost today to the Dodgers, and they lost the series two games to one, they are only two and a half games behind the Dodgers in the standings. But what that really means is Los Padres were going to be in the playoffs. And no matter how much Major League Baseball tries to screw it up, and to me, and I will live by this, you can write in as much as you want complaining to me, I don't care. There was no champion last year. I am not giving the Houston Astros any type of pendant. You're cheaters. And cheaters don't get rewarded. Not in the sheds. And especially not in outside the sheds. So we have no champion in 2019. 
But you better bring some enthusiasm and excitement. And Rob Manfred, the, the GM of Major League Baseball, seems to get it wrong before he gets it right. But you better get the, the Padres as the team that you're promoting. Because that's the most excitement that I've seen in Major League Baseball Maybe since the Bash brothers, even though they were all juiced up, we found out later on. Uh, but there was an excitement electricity when the A's used to come to town with McGuire and Conseco back in the day. Um, again, maybe because the needle might have been sticking out of certain parts of their body, but that's something else. But the Padres are just a fun team. And they're making me watch Major League Baseball, which I have not been doing a lot lately. And I actually left the game on today as I was getting ready to come and talk to you folks. So, Major League Baseball, don't drop the ball again. Keep pushing the Padres and embrace their unique but fun way of embracing this game that you want to go forward. Because you better find some youth to really want to pick up that ball and stick. And and I think this is the club to do it. So... That is my outside of the bubble. But Shedheads, I really want you to embrace this upcoming week. Watch some good footy because we've got some good matches this weekend. I know it gets tough towards the end of the season, you know, when, when the, the eight has been decided um, and it's been decided in the, in the NRL and very close to it in the AFL. But really remember as we're going into these, these next two weeks, and getting closer to the holidays. Um, bring some enthusiasm. Bring some love. Bring some spunk. And just do you. But try to make people around you better. And like I always tell you guys. And I'll end it this way. Stay out of trouble. And don't get caught. And if you do get caught, don't call me. But Shedheads, I'll see you soon. I'll see you next week. Love you guys. This is Outside the Sheds. I'm Corey Jackson. Till next time. Take care. And that was another fantastic episode of Outside the Sheds with Corey Jackson, talking all things NRL, AFL, and all things sports. So please remember to smash the subscribe button and share this with your family and friends and show them what Australian sport is all about.